0: None of us thought we would uh, be here uh, in this capacity just a few weeks ago. It was far off. It was distant. But we know that communities around this world, cities and communities, life has changed. There is a, at least for a season, a new normal. An awareness that we are not in usual times. We are in unusual times uh, events have had to be cancelled churches have had to not meet I'm grateful for our team being able to pull all of this off with uh, streaming live we'll be streaming live tonight at six o'clock and uh, the message tonight's from Philippians chapter 4 and we're going to look at uh, our prayers and God's promises how do we pray according to the promises of God and and how do we pray in intelligently about the things that we need to bring before God. Uh, He talks there about in everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. So we're going to talk a little bit about what everything means uh, in the live stream tonight. But this morning, I, I want to speak on the subject of faith response to any crisis. Now, we have government responses, and those are appropriate. We have medical responses, and those are appropriate. Those responses are ever-changing depending on what the circumstances are. The government's response has changed through the weeks. The the medical community's response has changed through the week. But our response is the same. It has to be a faith response. Whatever the crisis, whether it's we get a bad medical report or something has happened that has uh, harmed our family or there's been an accident, whatever it is, there's a faith response to every crisis. And nobody tells us that better than than King David. Uh, David lived a lot of his life running from King Saul. He was in pressure, he had enemies, he had people in his own family turn against him. And yet David took his fears to God and God turned his fear to faith. One writer said, fear is not only a human response that we all share as human beings, but an essential one which needs recognizing, accepting, and managing. Effectively managed, fear ceases to control our actions. Unacknowledged, fear takes control and we find ourselves caught up in varying degrees of destructive behavior. You see what fear does, it erodes our confidence in God's sovereignty. One of my favorite lines that Tom Elliff uses is God's running this show. Now, sometimes we think he's not. Sometimes it appears that everything's unraveling. We're gonna to get to the unraveling at the end of this message and talk about what God's actually doing in these moments. Max Lucado in his book, Fearless, said, Fear at its center is a perceived loss of control. The more insecure we feel, the meaner we become and we feel cornered. Jesus said that in the last days that men's hearts will fail them because of fear. And it seems like every day, every week, In our lifetimes, there's been something new to fear. Wars and rumors of wars, panics, terrorism, epidemics, pandemics. All these things are causing men's hearts to wax cold. Inevitably, that will lead to an antichrist who will say to a world that is consumed by fear, I can calm your fears if you let me make all the decisions. That's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. There's going to be a day when the world will be so panicked. It might not be a pandemic. It may be something else. But an antichrist will rise up and say, I can calm your fears. And he will for a season. But he is not the answer to the world's problems, nor is he the answer to our problems. The devil is enjoying this pandemic. God's people need to be storming the gates of hell and saying, you're not going to win this battle, devil you're not going to win it. The word phobia is the Greek word originally for fear. By the way, if you get a dictionary, I would encourage you to do this because you'd start being afraid of things. Uh, But there are 700 different phobias just in the Webster's Dictionary. I mean, if, if you read the Webster's Dictionary, you'll start being afraid of something that doesn't even exist with you. But this psalm is God's ability to calm our hearts and to give us confidence. You see, when we are driven by fear, we lose perspective. You know, we become chicken little running around with our heads cut off instead of our heads in the Word of God and believing the promises of God. Fear makes us forget God's promises. Fear makes us forget God's presence. And fear makes us forget God's peace. A friend of mine and I were posting pictures on Twitter today of our empty auditoriums and and I just mentioned on ours, but the presence of the Lord is here. And my prayer is that wherever you're watching this, that you sense the presence of God in your midst. Adrian Rogers said, all around us are people whose lives are being strangled by the boa constrictor of fear. They are barely able to function because they are tied in the knots of fear. And fear is at the core of their lives. Now, if you think about it, fear's got three basic causes. First of all, they're natural causes just life events, what we're going through right now, a pandemic, Uh, are they gonna have a vaccine? Will I be taken care of? Is this going to attack my family? Natural causes, fear when a hurricane comes. Uh, Friends of ours that live in Nashville that were just devastated a few weeks ago uh, by tornadoes, and now they're dealing with this on top of that. Then there's psychological causes. You know, something happened in our childhood, or there's something in our memories, there's a traumatic experience, and it raises fear in our lives. And then there are spiritual causes of fear. Here's what I mean by that. A lack of faith leads to fear. Disobeying what God says in his word will lead you to fear. You'll start listening to other voices rather than the voice of God. Unconfessed sin Guilt will all lead to fear. Does God love me? Does God care? Does God know what I'm going through? So now, I want you to join with me, and we're in Psalm 27, and just follow along as I read in whatever translation you're using. David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers come upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamped against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing. We've done that this morning. Yes, I will sing praises "'To the Lord. "'Hear, O Israel, when I cry with my voice, "'and be gracious to me, and answer me. "'When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, "'Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. "'Do not hide your face from me. "'Do not turn your servant away in anger. "'You have been my help. "'Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation.'" For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me. Now look at what he's asking God to do. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. For false witnesses have arisen against me and such breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless... I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he gives us some commands. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. There are two key sections to this psalm. There's the faith section and there's the fear section. Fear needs a faith response. Faith needs to act in a way that calms our fears. No less than 18 times, David mentions the Lord in this prayer. Not in a general sense, but he's talking about the Lord personally. Not, you know, big God in heaven somewhere, but the Lord who is with me. And I wait for him. So we need to live life confidently. That's verses 1 through 3. Now, verses 1 through 3 cover just about everything. If we're going to live confidently, verse 1, that deals with the present. Verse 2 deals with the past. And verse 3 deals with the future. (laughs) Kind Kind of covers it all. David remembers a time in the past when God sustained him. In moments like this, when When people are fearful, when they're worried about when this pandemic will be under control, when will it stop, when can we go back to normal, you need to remember the times when you've been fearful and God has stepped in and been your strength and your salvation. Because these times come in life. It's just life. But somewhere in your past, God has been faithful to you and protected you and provided for you. You need to recall those moments and not speak words of fear right now, but speak the promises of God. If you're dealing with fear, look what he says. The Lord is my light and salvation. If you're dealing with dread and apprehension, he says the Lord is the defense of my life. If you're dealing with enemies, my heart will not fear. If you're dealing with conflicts, in spite of this, I shall be confident. If you're dealing with trouble, he will lift me up on a rock, verse 5. If you're dealing with disappointments, the Lord will take me up, verse 10. All of this confidence hinges on verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? Of whom shall I fear? God as my light guides me. God is my strength guards me. Now, we have ever-changing numbers in this pandemic, but I would claim Psalm 3 and verse 6. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. The great missionary of another age, Hudson Taylor, who really opened missions into China, said, it doesn't matter how great the pressure is. What really matters is where the pressure lies. Whether it comes between you and God or whether it presses you nearer to his heart. What's the pressure doing to us right now? Is it moving us nearer to God, or is it moving us away from God? How we respond determines whether we're living by faith or we're living by fear. If I'm uncertain, I need to walk in his light. I don't have to walk in darkness. If I feel inadequate, I need to walk in his strength. I don't have to be strong in myself. I have to be strong in the strength of the Lord. And so not only do we live confidently, we live faithfully. Verses 4 through 6. Look at what David wanted to do in the midst of this crisis going on in his life. He wanted to dwell in the house of the Lord. And that was the tabernacle at the time of David. The Lord dwells with us now, that makes us unique on this side of the cross in Pentecost. He delighted in the beauty of the Lord. In times of crisis, we need to delight in the Lord because the Lord is never changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He desired to meditate in the presence of the Lord. He just wanted to be with God. And can I tell you something? The bigger God gets in our focus, the less our fears are our focus. Big God little problems. Big problems, little God. We have to decide how we're going to focus our lives. In verse 5, he begins to move and just give us some promises that he stood on that we can stand on. God will shelter him. He will conceal me. He's going to cover us. God's got us. He's got us covered. He will give him security in the secret place of his tent. He will hide me. God will put steadfastness in his heart. He will lift me up on a rock. All of these images are of the tabernacle. The temple had not been built yet. In the Old Testament, the spirit was not indwelling people, but David was a man after God's own heart. Not a perfect man, but he was a man after God's own heart, and he chose to have a godly response to the crisis. He lived by faith because he spent time with God. There are a lot of fear nots in the Bible. Some have said there are 365. However many there are, there are enough for you to start claiming. But I, I wanna mention three of them because a fear not means I've been assured of God's presence. When the Bible says fear not, God says I'm here. I'm here, you don't have to be afraid. Yeah, but Lord, you don't know what's going on. Listen, there are no surprises in heaven right now. None. Heaven is not panicked. The angels are not panicked. The saints that have gone before us are not panicked. Those that are watching in that great cloud of witnesses are not panicked. And they have lived through far worse than we have. But they don't have fear because they're in the presence of God. Well, guess what? God is in our midst. Or two or three are gathered. I'm there in the midst of them, but God is also inside of us in His Holy Spirit. So I want to give you three of the fear knots that I just want to kind of pull out because they're all taking place in a time of adversity. Two of them are in the same chapter Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Uh, it'll be on the slide. Do not fear. And so, what I want you to do with these two verses I'm about to get you, uh, underline or take note. Of how many times God says, I am and I will. I am and I will. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely, I will help you. Surely, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You see it? I am, I will. Verse 13 of Isaiah 41, For I am the Lord your God, who upholds your right hand, who says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. So in verse 10, he's speaking specifically to that sense that we feel abandoned by God when we're going through a crisis. And that word fear can also be translated "dread." But God is saying, don't dread what's going on in your life. I am God. I will be with you. Now, that's better than anybody else. We we like to have our family and our friends around us when we're in times of crisis. But I want to tell you, when they leave the hospital room, when they leave the nursing home, when you're all there by yourself, you're not by yourself. The I am is with you. There's hope in that. There's encouragement in that. And he knows everything that's going on in your head right now. Do not anxiously look about you. I mean, don't panic. Don't don't be looking every which way. You know, just saying, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Don't anxiously look about you. Look to God. And look at what he says. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, the right hand has always been known as the hand of power. The hand of strength. And God says, I'm going to uphold you with my right hand. When you're down, I'm going to lift you up. When you're weak, I'm going to sustain you. When you're fallen, I'm going to lift you up. It's his righteous right hand. But notice, he upholds our right hand. His right hand upholds our right hand. Which the psalmist is saying, when you feel like you've lost your strength... I've still got you. I'm still holding you up. I'm still here. Don't panic. If you say, I'm not strong anymore. I'm weak. I'm worried. If you're elderly and you're thinking, I'm supposed to isolate myself from everybody. Listen, God is holding up your right arm that you may not can lift up right now. God's holding you. Verse 13, he says, I'm the Lord who upholds your right hand. Do not be afraid. He's saying, let's get eyeball to eyeball. I know we're supposed to keep our distance during this pandemic, but don't get safe space between you and God. Get eyeball to eyeball with him. Get nose to nose with him. God is saying, look at me. The third fear not that I want to mention is the one of the disciples in the storm. And they've been in the storm for a long time. John 6, verses 15 through 21 They're on the sea, they're terrified. Now, these are fishermen. They know this sea, they know their boat, but they are in a situation that is about to swamp them. They're in a storm that they're not used to. Now, who caused the storm? God allowed the storm so that they could learn faith when they saw Jesus coming to them on the water. The Sea of Galilee can be very violent. It is basically in a bowl surrounded by mountains and winds can sweep down on it in just a matter of seconds. Uh, Our guide in Israel, Yuval, uh, talked about a time not not long ago during the winter season when there was a boat trying to cross the Sea of Galilee trying to get to the other side and they could not because the wind was so strong they just had to drift back and go back to where they started these disciples are in a storm. They probably thought, you know, where's Jesus when you need him? You know, we're here out on this boat. He calls us to follow him. And, you know, Timothy probably said, well, great mess you got us into, Jesus. Next time I see you, I'm going to remind you, you weren't here when we needed you. And if we die, it's going to be your fault. And all of a sudden, here's Jesus walking on the water. And he gets into the boat, and he says, it is I, do not be afraid. And the storm was over, and they were on the other side. I'm waiting for the day that this storm is over, and we're on the other side. But here's what Jesus said. I am the name of God. I am. Do not fear. I am is here. I'm with you. I'm in the middle of this storm with you. Yahweh is here. Jesus wants us to look for him in the storm. Jesus wants to calm the storms that are in our lives, that rage in our heart or rage in our community. Lloyd John Ogilvy said, Sometimes the Lord rides out the storm with us, and other times he calms the restless sea around us. Most of all, he calms the storm inside us in our deepest inner soul. And when he does, we can begin to face all the fears that disturb us in our thinking, in our personal relationships and responsibilities. By the way, the Lord has no limit on what size storm he can handle there is no storm bigger than the Savior. Now, think about this with me for a moment. We live in a fallen world, but we do not live in a forgotten world. God did not set creation in order and then disappear. We don't live in a forgotten world because we have a Father who is watching over us. So let's look at his compassion, verses 7 through 14. David is seeking the face of God as a compassionate God. Verses 7 through 9, you could write the word access. He has access to God. We're going to talk about that again in a minute. In verse 10, he knew he was loved by God. In verse 11, he knew that God was reliable. God was reliable. David said, I've got access. I know God loves me in this storm, and I know God is reliable even when I'm in a storm. That's why Hebrews 4.16 is not far from Psalm 27 when you take your Bible as a whole. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy And may find grace to help in time of need. Now look at verse 13 of Psalm 27 again. And and circle it or highlight it if you mark in your Bible. I would have despaired unless, circle unless, I had believed. That's a faith statement. I would have despaired if I just focused on my fear. But I believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that God wasn't through with me yet, that God had a purpose for me. And so then he says, wait. That's our first response. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. You see, the pressure wasn't going to stop. The point is, wait for God. John Phillips said his parting word to us in our desperate need is wait, not panic, wait. In the latter years of my mother's life, she was a worrier. I mean, my mom was a worrier. She had three PhDs in worrying. And I gave her Vance Havner's book, Though I Walked Through the Valley. And I wrote in the front of that book, Mom, don't wallow in the valley of the shadow. Walk through it. And too often, if we don't keep our focus on the Lord, when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we wallow. We don't wait, and we don't walk according to his light. When we're tempted to panic, we are to wait. The word means to stretch or to twist. Now, your, your kids that are watching at home can, can get this image after we're through. Don't get up, kids, right now. But, but after we're through, go out and get a piece of rope or a jump rope. This noun form means a line or a cord or a thread. And what David is saying is, as we wait, we wrap ourselves around the Lord and not around our troubles. We tie ourselves up around the Lord. We let him calm us down because when you're tied up, you kind of can't do a lot of things. You, you know, you can't reach for anything. And so just imagine David is saying, I'm kind of tied up right now, but I'm tied up in the Lord. He has wrapped himself around me. I have wrapped myself in him and we are tied together. So first thing, practice patience wait on the Lord. We should have said that at every store that was selling toilet paper for the last couple of days. I mean, wait on the Lord. Practice patience. Practice patience means don't think you're the only person that's dealing with this crisis and don't act like it. Don't go to the store and buy up everything. That's not trusting God. I said, Well, a crisis is going to come. Listen, I grew up on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Every time they said a hurricane was coming, my mom went and bought milk. We lost power. Why did we need milk? It was going to go bad. You have to use some common sense. So I wait on Lord. Lord, do I need to do this right now? Well, no, you got plenty of this and you got plenty of that. Don't, don't worry. Wait. Practice boldness, be strong. And let your heart take courage. I'll tell you, every one of us have somebody in our lives that we walk out and we're ready to attack hell with a water pistol. We're ready to charge and say, man, we're believing God in this thing. And we meet one person and they poke a hole in our balloon. Be bold. Say to people that are walking in fear, I have a confidence that I would love to share with you. My confidence is not in what this world offers. My confidence is in the Lord. And if you would let me, I'd like to share with you how Christ can be the Lord of your crisis and share the gospel with him. Practice boldness and then practice patience and boldness. In other words, keep at it. Just stay at it. Well, I waited for five minutes and now I'm going to worry for an hour. And that's what a lot of our praying is. We get on our knees and we worry to God and then we get up and we're still worrying. Take it to the Lord and leave it there. Wait on the Lord. When you're starting to feel stressed, turn it into prayer. Lord, you know, here I go again. You know, I just got around somebody that was coughing, and they, they looked like they were running a fever. It might not have been, but, but now you know, I just can't, I can't do anything. Calm down. Calm down. And wait. So, I'm going to give you three closing thoughts. And while I'm doing this... Uh, Some of our staff and our praise team are here in this room and I'm gonna ask you guys to do something. This is a surprise, you didn't know you were going to do it. But I'm gonna ask you to go around the outside edges so you don't walk in front of that camera and join me on the platform. And at the end of these three points, we're gonna pray out loud for those of you that are watching on the live stream. Our staff members and our praise team are going to pray for you. We're going to pray out loud. You may not be able to hear it, but I want you to see it. I want you to see us praying for you, that we are in agreement as a body of believers, as leadership in this church, as as staff members. And we are in agreement that God has this, that God has control over this. So while they're coming, let me give you three points. By the way, y'all can come if you want to. Just You don't have to sit back there. You, some of the staff families are here, so they're going to slip over here too, and we've got some in the, in the TV booth, but I, I just want these folks, y'all kind of gather behind me. This is kind of lonely up here. Um, I'm home alone. Uh, so let me give you three things. First of all, if it's not edifying and Christ-honoring, don't post it. We are to be the body of Christ. Jesus said to us, do not be afraid. Do not use your social media and your interpersonal relationships to bring fear and panic. That's not helping anybody. If it's not edifying and Christ-honoring, don't post it. Say it to yourself. But don't say it in front of your kids either. Because we're not helping them to learn how to deal with crisis if we act like we're in a crisis mode all the time. So just don't post it. Just don't hit send. And if somebody posts something like that as you're scrolling through, don't hit like. Because the message that we need to have ripple is edifying and Christ honoring. Christ is our hope in this moment. Secondly, be a witness, not a worrier. Be a witness, not a worrier. I mean, you may have to have say to somebody, look, if you just see me just starting to worry all the time, tell me to stop. Be a witness. Testify to the goodness of God. Claim a promise from God's Word. Thirdly, be a prayer warrior, not a panic promoter. Be a prayer warrior, not a panic promoter. I mean, you may know your neighbor that lives next door to you. Sometime this week, maybe you want to walk next door and say, Look, I'm just going to stand right here on the steps. Is there any way I can pray for your family right now? Anything going on? Do you have elderly parents? Is there anything that I could do for you? Could, could I run to the grocery store for you? Could I go through a drive-thru for you? It would be a way for you to connect to your neighbors. Say, so I'd just like to pray for you right now. No, we can't gather together this week. But we can gather before the throne of God. And when you're out and if you're working this week, don't be a panic promoter. Because in secular businesses, there's going to be a lot of conversation about what's wrong and the government needs to do this and the medical community needs to do this. Just stop them and say, how about instead of whining and complaining about that, how about you give me 30 seconds for us to pray that God would show us what to do? Imagine the change in tone with the people that you're around. So, we're gonna pray out loud, okay? So, uh, I don't know how we're gonna do this. You don't have any handheld mics, do you? So, we're just, we're just gonna kinda of pray. So, pick us up somehow, ambient sound or, or whatever. Uh, but we're gonna pray and I'm gonna ask you to join us in prayer, but our prayer's for you that are not here, that are at home. There are people watching in other states that have no connection to this church. But we have a place where you can turn in your prayer request. You can go on just below where the live stream is going right now and turn in a prayer request and it will go into our intercessory prayer ministry. We want to pray with you and we want to pray for you. Our God is a good God. This is a tough old world, but our God is a good God. The Lord is my strength. Whom shall I be afraid? So let's pray and then I'll close this prayer time in just a moment. Father, for every person that is watching and listening, whatever device they're using, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will remember that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Lord, I pray we would remember that when Jesus died and rose and ascended into heaven, he took with him the keys to everything we feared, death, hell, and the grave. Death has no victory over the believer. It's just the portal through which we get back to you. Fear should have no victory over us. Hell has no hold on us. The grave is just where a physical body that our spirits indwelt will rest one day. But you, God, are eternal in the heavens. And one day you're going to bring all of this chaos in this world to a close and you're going to split the sky and you're going to call your saints home and we're going to reign and rule with you. We're going to worship you forever. But until that day, may our focus be on you. Lord, I pray for the single parent, for the foster parent that's trying to figure out how to manage their work and their kids' school when their kids are out of school. I pray for wisdom and I pray for grace. I pray for two-income families. It may be down to one income. I pray for your sufficiency and your supply in their life. Lord, I pray for the medical community that is going to be way overtaxed. And I pray for strength from you, the great physician. I pray for people that are working in the hallways of the hospitals, that they would be the hands and feet of the great physician. Lord, I pray that you would keep things at bay. I pray that for those that are in every country, over 100 countries around the world, that whatever religion they are practicing, that they will find that there is a God in heaven who sent a son to earth so that they could have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I pray for those who may not know you who are watching, that if they call on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. That if they would confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their hearts that God is raised Him from the dead, they shall be saved. Sin leads to death, but the cross leads to life. And so, Father, I pray for every dad that needs to lead his home. I pray for every single mom that's seeking to lead her home. I pray for every businessman that has people that answer to him and are responsible to him. I pray for wisdom in the business community. Lord, let us walk with wisdom and discernment. You've told us if we like wisdom, we're to ask of you. So, Lord, we're in a trial. We're in a test, and like Chronicles says, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So God, for every ear listening today, for everyone watching today, may the peace of God guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. For I pray it in the name of the triumphant living Lord who reigns and rules, who even now makes intercession for us. Amen and amen.